Hi there, and welcome to Railway Rover. I'm Seb from To The Trains, and today I'm joined by Sean, otherwise known as WM Trainspotting, who's approaching 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's also the de facto branch lines expert, with over 20 videos covering a variety of these routes across the UK. So it's good to have you here, Sean. How are you doing today? I'm exquisite. How are you? <laughs> that's, that's very good. I'm, I'm doing well. Excellent. Let's begin. I think we'll start with a fun, obviously that's subjective, but a fun question. Do you have a particular favourite branch line or just route in general out of all of those that you've travelled, maybe for the rolling stock or the scenery, the location, etc.? I get asked this question a surprising number of times, and every time I have to think back to every single route I've travelled on, <laughs> which is one hell of a, lo- uh, a list. But I think rolling stock-wise, my favourite would have to be the Belfast to Dublin route in Ireland, because the Enterprise stock is fantastic. Scenery-wise, it's more difficult, because I haven't done any of the sort of stuff that you would consider, uh, certainly in the UK, to be beautiful or whatnot, like settle to Carlisle. Right, yeah. uh, but scenery-wise, I'm going to have to pop back over to Ireland, and I'm going to say the section between Castle Rock and uh Bellarina and then onwards to Derry, London, Derry. Uh, particularly the section that goes along Downhill Beach is beautiful. Hopefully, on the YouTube version, I'll I'll find some royalty-free things so you know what that looks like. Oh, I have plenty of footage from there. So if you could just send me one clip, then that would be that'd be great. Yeah. If you're not watching on YouTube, then this makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> I think basically the the conclusion from this first question is that I think uh, Ireland is just. Uh, Superior in every single Super- way. <laughs> superior to uh, the UK. Yes, yeah. With that, with that out of the way, I, I don't think we really need to cover the textbook definition of a branch line. Um, ho- hopefully, hopefully that's fairly straightforward. I mean, ultimately, a branch line is just what the DFT classified has. There's nothing sort of defining it. It just depends on what branch apps think or whoever it is now goes. Oh yes, I'm going to make it to this. Yeah. It's how every single line possible gets its classification. Really. Right. Would you would you say, like, classification aside, what really, as, as a passenger, as a commuter, or travelling for leisure, or what have you, what separates the, the branch lines from these commuter and intercity routes? And would you say that a branch line is equivalent to, or what others might call uh, regional routes is there a distinguishable difference there as well i I don't think there's a very distinguishable difference it's all down to personal interpretation at the end of the day a branch line by definition is where it spurs off the main line Uh, but what is a main line is up for debate so for example you could claim that uh, i think the most prominent example i've come across anyway that the hope valley line sheffield because it comes off uh, the main line out of manchester um is a branch line but then you could also go well actually that's a very significant route is it a branch line um i don't know what i ended up finding out about that i'm sure i researched it and found a definitive answer but i can't remember for the life of me (laughs) so i think a significant number of regional routes would be classified as branch lines but you've also got things like um out uh i would personally say things like london to cambridge sort of 
border between commuter and regional routes, um, which is why it's very difficult to sort of provide a hard definition for branch lines, regional routes, and yeah. what's the difference. So another sort of example of like where you say there's this call of sort of mishmash between what what is a branch line, and you you gave an example for one that I've I've sort of got another idea. Uh, going back to the Great Eastern Main Line because I'm a hundred percent not biased, but you've got how at Manningtree the line branches off to Harwich, and you could consider that to be uh, on its own a pretty solid branch line. But then you've also got certain services from Liverpool Street, London Liverpool Street, that go all the way down to Harwich. And at that point, is it a branch line? I don't know. It is. Yes. By definition, it's it's called the Mayflower line, isn't it? It's right, uh, yeah. definitely a branch line. It's classified by the DFT as one, so that I can that I can safely provide a definition on. There we go. We've we've just got the DFT dictionary here. <laughs> there you go. I did say you were the de facto branch line expert as well. I think when I think about a branch line, this instead of like using branch line terminology, I think we should uh, start thinking about it or the just a smaller smaller communities, more focused lines that aren't they don't mean anything to people. Generally, they don't mean anything to people on the other side of the country, but then there are these stations in those communities that are valued and important to the communities they serve. Yeah. How, with that said, how viable do you think these like sorts of smaller lines are, considering they aren't designed around economic hotspots? They're just smaller offshoot lines that only really mean something to the people that need to use them. Uh, I think if there were ever to be another beaching-style report, um, there'd be about half the branch lines we have today left at the end of it, um, because a lot of them have very low passenger numbers, um, which means that you know they would be considered not worth running the trains for, because right, they yeah. cost a lot more money to run than they would take in fares. Um, but overall, I think... Um, as long as they're not doing it for just the money, which you shouldn't really be doing, particularly if they're now funding it out of the government for a public transportation service, which should be available to as many people as possible, uh, it should be kept. Because even if you've got 10 people a year using it, those 10 people a year won't be able to use it if it's not there. And if they're in some form of isolated community, take Karawa, for example, yeah. uh, much as that's not a very good example in this thing, because <laughs> it's very, very busy, um, you haven't got another way to get anywhere. And if you don't drive, that means you're a little bit stuck. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, like you say, it's sort of like the people, the human aspect of it has to come before how much money you're making from it. Yeah. And it's great. Your answer there is great because it's just knocked off two other points I was going to talk about. So that's a very (laughs) substantial answer, actually. And I'm going to have to scroll down a little bit. There we go. How do you think, like, on these smaller lines, how do you think the rolling stock in particular compares? Like, any examples, or do you think some of them need upgrading, like, desperately, or do you think it's worth that upgrade, perhaps? Well, I am generally going to have to do the uh, the age-old thing of the south rolling stock-wise, even on branch lines, is pretty fine. Uh, and then when you get up to the north, you've got single car 153s, although that's more prominent in Wales now. Uh, you've got 150s and stuff like that, uh, which could do with a replacement. Uh, they could just do with 
getting rid of them and putting in more 195s in my opinion much as people will murder me for that <laughs> um, because yeah 150s really aren't that fit for 2021 in my opinion anyway much as they've had a refurbishment and whatnot yeah and i'm liking uh there's a lot of push pushes more for accessible trains and the class 777 that's a mouthful on mersey rail i believe it that is. is from what i've heard a particularly accessible train uh yeah they've got level boarding they've got um a very nice sort of wheelchair area with all um there's a, been a lot of attention to detail certainly put in because like they've got all the facilities that you'll find in normal seats uh if you will throughout uh the wheelchair areas too uh which is great like um it, the fact that you're in a wheelchair doesn't mean you won't want to charge your phone or put your coffee down or whatever so the fact that they've done the little things like that will mean a lot to a lot of people that use uh, the trains and then they have got the level boarding and stuff as well uh, as a lot of Stadler's new stock has I think yes um Promotion class seven five five stuff, seven four five. Indeed, Stadler's Stadler's just been really. I think they've been leading the way in that sort of area, and oh, without doubt, yeah. We keep we keep, or at least I keep coming back to it. But it's a lot more human focused, like the actual people focus, as opposed to getting as many people from A to B. And I think that's something I do really appreciate about these regional branch lines, smaller lines, whatever you want to call them, when they've got this nice new upgraded but accessible rolling stock, you can you get the idea of the how it serves like these different communities rather than masses of commuters on a day to day basis. And what Mersey Rail have done is incorporated both of that, which is why the triple sevens are so good, because they've got they haven't got a seat-wise capacity upgrade on the 507s and 508s. They're exactly the same that-wise, but they've got much wider uh, carriages because they've maximised it as much as they possibly can uh, without it breaking the tunnels. Um, so there's plenty of capacity for your commuters to uh, spread out in, and then there's also these level boarding, the mm-hmm. special wheelchair areas um, with all the facilities and whatnot, um, which is like it's pretty much a perfect train <laughs> yeah. uh, before the super alb style people come out and start criticizing the seats <laughs> yeah i suppose and i think i think there's a lot of like criticism from a rail enthusiast point of view and i'm guilty of it as well how the iets just don't live up to the hsts how the 745s don't live up to the class 90 mark 3 sets dvt but I feel like that comes from a very heavily biased, like, rail enthusiast point of view. Yeah, no, the thing about it is if you're a rail enthusiast, good for you. And if you want to sit on a HST, that's brilliant. But you're a very small portion of who uses the railway. Absolutely. And when we get to 2021, HSTs are not fit for purpose. We can't be having slam doors on the railways these days. Uh, and sure, if we upgraded everything to be ScotRail HST spec, that might be all right. But ultimately, the 800s are OK. They're not great. They're not bad. They're OK. Uh, they get the job done. Um, some are better than others. The GWR ones I'm not a fan of, mainly down to them using flat cloth instead of maquette, which just sort of right. makes it the seats even harder than they need to be. Uh, and yes, I know the seats are hard. That's not a problem for me personally. But yes, I know some people will moan on relentlessly about that. But the thing about it is we can't just keep old trains in service because enthusiasts want them because that would be 
pointless. And <laughs> absolutely, and yeah, it's just I don't know how many. If if you're watching this on YouTube or any other sort of streaming platform that has comments, then I want to hear what you think about that, about the balance between old and new, and how how you feel about these newer sort of trains, not only just on these branch lines, smaller lines, but on the newer, you know, more more mainstream, the main lines, uh, that's what you'd call them, I suppose. Another interesting thing I've seen, like now and then, on these smaller lines that are tickets are relatively cheaper for, there's smaller differences between stations, is people getting uh, season tickets, like between two of these stations, and getting the benefits of having a season ticket while not paying as much as you would for, let's say, London to Birmingham. That's a ride peer head to ride Esplanade moment. Yes, I think that was the example I've seen. I can't remember where I got it from, but that one really just stuck out. I think it might be a certain transport YouTuber who drags their content out for money and also has a name which starts with a G and ends in an F. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> when when I'm thinking of these these smaller smaller lines of you've the, the stations they're a lot more smaller there's less facilities and I think uh on some lines there's a bit of catch up to do particularly you've got you've got these nice trains the trains are getting the trains are finally getting some attention in terms of improvement but the stations I think they there's some work to be done there's there's not many facilities you know especially if you need like assistance there's not going to be a ticket office in the majority of these places you've got to book online in most cases with the TOC so they can arrange something for you it's it can be a bit more difficult travelling on these lines i would assume yeah absolutely and that's why fare evasion is a lot higher on branch lines uh, i've found anyway than sort of if you're getting on your london to birmingham pendolino um right yeah because no one checks it uh particularly sort of the ones which are doo stations are unstaffed trains are doo you can hop on mm-hmm. and you won't come to anything really so now moving moving on to the future and you briefly covered this uh, a little bit before but the future of branch lines the smaller lines regional routes whatever you want to call them but how do you think in general i guess it's quite hard to tell right now but what do you think the plans are for the future and especially in terms of the renationalization of the railways how do you think that will impact these these lines well we're talking about the government so Probably nothing's been talked about at all in relation to it uh, yet, but um, absolutely, I would not be surprised if things are cut to cut costs um, at all. Uh, and likewise, I think much as GBR is a nice idea, I won't hold my breath on it actually improving anything. I think it's something that's probably been come up with to make it seem like, whoa, everything's going to magically change, but in reality it's going to do very little and potentially just make things a hell of a lot more confusing. Because at the moment, you know, if you're going to St Pancras, you're going to get on your EMR train to go to the East Midlands, you're going to get on your Southeastern train to go to the coast, you're going to get on your Eurostar train to go to Paris and whatnot, whereas if it's all GBR branded, oh look, I'm on a 395 to Derby, oh wait. Um, I, I, I think there's quite a lot of potential for some confusion but yeah we'll wait and see uh can't say anything that much yet because i just haven't seen how it's panned out 
I think, yeah, I definitely share that opinion when I was, I'm pretty sure when I found out about it, I was sitting at a train station and had like a 50 minute connection. And so I just downloaded the entire PDF and scrolling through it. And it just got the impression of, I don't, I've, I don't want to say this is a good solution. I'd rather, I'd much rather just wait and see how this transpires. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying that it's going to be a faultless transition because it definitely won't be. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a case of waiting and seeing how it pans out, I guess. Um, time will tell. Yeah, definitely. Though one upside right now, well, I don't know how long it will last, uh, there are some funds to revitalise or just bring back into service some some of the these branch lines or the smaller lines that have been cut in the beaching cuts. Is there any that you know of or come to mind perhaps they've already got this funding or maybe they don't is there any that you would like to see reintroduced in the rail network i think um is it oxford to bletchley i'm trying to i know for something which for something which i'm about to answer is one which i want to see i don't know very much about it uh, but the sort of east to west rail project i think it's called um is certainly an exciting one and that will be great for connectivity uh, and i look forward to seeing that being brought in um but that will take time i imagine yes and it's it's great you said that but it also means that i don't have anything to say following that because <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking great minds think alike. that connection i think yeah it's just having that connection without having to go through london for example yeah because you'd either have to go through London or Birmingham at the moment, and neither of things you really want to do when you just want to get across the country. Now, as as we're going to wrap things up very shortly, I'd just like to gather your... It's slightly off topic, but I, I'd just like to gather your opinion on Lumo. What what do you think? Well, first of all, what a name. <laughs> um, luminosity and motion. I wonder how long it took a three-year-old to come up with that. Um I won't hold my breath on it. I think five carriages for £15 fares between London and Edinburgh is going to be hell. I'm booked on the first service, okay. um, so I will see how it pans out, but I don't have high expectations at all. I think it's going to be the Ryanair of train operators, to be perfectly honest with you. That's great. that you. It's also great that you said that, because uh, the guest for the next episode, all sneak peek, when I spoke to them about Lumo... They made the same comparison with Ryanair. Yeah. And so for those who weren't aware, if you, you might have heard about East Coast trains or the bright blue IETs that have been running along the ECML. Um, well, that's just recently been announced. I think it was this week, or by the time you're listening to this, last week probably, Yeah. Uh, as Lumo. Uh, the name is a portmanteau of Illumination and Motion. Oh, such an incredible, revolutionary name. Not really... Yeah, it's um, but it's it's aiming to offer a budget service between London and Edinburgh, I believe, and I'm interested in the idea whether it will be any good. I don't know. I might try and hop on the service sometime in the future. I haven't got any plans, so I'll I'll see how it goes. Perhaps we'll there'll be a railway rover episode on Lumo. If they had if they had had capacity, it would be just lovely. But they don't. Yeah, it will either be oh, this is a great sort of thing that's going on and maybe we'll see this on the west coast mainline or maybe this is something they either need to go back to the drawing board on or it's just an awful idea we shall see 
We shall indeed. So finally, um, Sean, uh, you, would you like to have some time to do a bit of self-promotion, I guess, for your socials? Um, but if there's anything you want to share with the audience, and then I'll link it in the description of the YouTube upload. You should definitely subscribe to me because after my unpopular ha- uh, HST opinions, I'm probably going to lose about 200. You should follow me on Twitter because I spam stupid stuff and train photos on there. What a combination. That's incredible. I'm at WM Trainspotting on Twitter, WM Trainspotting on YouTube. Uh, and yeah, that that's it. So yeah, thank you very much for your time, Sean. As mentioned, you can watch his content on YouTube. And you can catch him basically 24-7 on Twitter. (laughs) Thanks again. I've been Seb. Hopefully you've enjoyed this first episode. And thank you for listening to Railway Rover.